God. Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I didn't expect to come to church today and to be called an ox. So thank you, Felix. Church is always full of surprises. You never know what you're going to walk into. But let's be honest, I've probably been called worse things. So bless the Lord. It's an upgrade. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, listen, this morning I, uh, I got to get going because, you know, I don't want to run out of time here this morning. But uh, I want to start off this morning by um, asking you two questions. Number one, what is real Christmas spirit? What is real Christmas spirit? Think about it. There'll be a test at the end. Number two, do you have it? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I want to thank you for the most wonderful time of the year. Lord, beyond all of the direct decorations and beyond the, all the awesome baked goods and I'm getting hungry, beyond all of the Christmas sweaters and beyond all of the festivities, Lord, we recognize here at Capital City Church that the real reason for the season is Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And so, Father, today, no matter what circumstance and situation that we find ourselves in, as we come into your presence, we understand that it doesn't need to be that way, doesn't need to remain that way, but Lord, that there's more and there's better because we understand that you came to save the world from sin. And so, Father, this morning we ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see what it is that you are saying and what it is that you are doing. And that our lives will be eternally changed by your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So what is Christmas spirit, my friends? Because I think it is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, I, I said it before, I love living in a country that has four distinct um, uh, seasons. And if only it would get the notice and maybe bring a little bit of the white stuff for Christmas by next week, I would be okay with it. Bless God. But what is Christmas spirit, right? Is Christmas spirit, is it uh, based on the amount of lights and inflatables that we have outside of our house? By the way, we have meters upon meters of lights and not one but two inflatables. And I still feel like I'm not caught up to most people out there, right? Is it determined by how many trees you have put up in your house, right? I don't know about you, but we don't have one tree. No, not good enough for us. We don't even have two trees. Come on. Two trees? No, that's for amateurs. We have three, yes. But three just wasn't filling that void in our hearts long enough. So we had to go with not four, but five Christmas trees. And if my wife had her way, we would be going to the Christmas tree farm after service, cutting down another tree to put outside. Because six, apparently, is the number. I don't know. Is that what Christmas spirit is all about? Is it how many trees you have? How many decorations you have? What about this? Is it all about tinsel? Come on. All of you people from the 80s and the 70s, let's bring back tinsel. The tree was never complete in my house until we grabbed that messy bunch of foil and tossed it delicately all over the tree. And until mom saw that every spot of the tree was glistening, then it was Christmas. It's all about the tinsel, right? Let's bring it back. Come on. I'm, a, I'm starting a campaign to bring back tinsel to Christmas. 
Is it listening to Move 100 all day long? It's Move 100 somehow ends up in my car, in my house, everywhere I go, Move 100. And if you don't know, that's the station that plays nonstop Christmas music from the beginning of December till the end. Come on. Is that what Christmas is about? And I love it. Come on. You should see me rocking out in my, uh, in, in my Hyundai Tucson, just going down the streets, singing whatever Christmas carol comes on. I got to look crazy, I'm telling you. Every Christmas song turns into some sort of revival in my car as I'm driving around in December. Is it determined by how many gifts are under the tree? This has been my question for the last four months to my wife. Love you guys. They're at home right now. Does Levi need more gifts? And somehow, some way, the answer is always yes. Yes. Okay, honey, I think, I think that's good. Oh, but look, there's one more thing. And now she's tricked me because every time that we get a, uh, a pamphlet or a flyer, come on, from, from any of the toy stores, she now gives Levi a pen and has taught him to circle everything he wants. Now, my son is no fool. He is wise beyond his years. And he proceeds to circle every individual thing on every page and then puts one big circle around everything and goes, Dada, everything. <laughs> yes, son, I would like to give you everything, but we have run out of space already. Everything. Is it about how many gifts are under the tree? What about this? Is it about how perfect the turkey comes out? Not too dry. Just enough color on it, nice and tasty, right? I have seen family function fall to pieces because the turkey was not right. And for all my French friends out there, let me bring a, something that you might relate to. Maybe it's not about the turkey. Maybe it's about the tortiere. Come on. Can I get an amen? And listen, there's different kinds of tortiers I've learned. I always thought there was one, and it was the best one, and it's the one that we served in my family. It was Tortiere de Lac Saint-Jean, and if you know, you know. There's nothing that compares to a nice Tortiere at Christmas time to celebrate with all of my French family as a Tortiere de Lac Saint-Jean. Come on. I was hoping to get at least one witness. You are now my best friend. Everyone's like, what is Tortiere, and what is Tortiere de Lac Saint-Jean? You're probably Googling right now. Uh, listen, it's the best thing that's ever happened since Jesus. Come on. <sighs> Maybe it's defined by an attitude. Maybe it's the attitude that we carry during the holiday seasons. Maybe it's philosophy or perhaps a simply warm and fuzzy feeling that we get on the inside of us. You know, a journey towards experiencing the perfect Christmas and, and allowing the Christmas spirit to come into our lives and upon our lives, this journey goes in many different directions for many different people. People have all sorts of unique traditions, and I love them all. I think it's really unique how we all have our different things that we do during the Christmas season. But let me tell you this, for the believer, any believers in the house today? For the believer, for those who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, our journey although may lead us in different directions, should always end up at one destination, and his name is Jesus. Now, while reading the accounts of the birth of Jesus, and I don't know about you, but, I mean, I always enjoy 
December, you, you know, you focus on the birth of Jesus and you focus on the Christmas story, as some would call it. And I've really been enjoying because for some reason this year, things have been popping out of my Bible into my heart like never before during the holiday season. While reading the accounts of the birth of Jesus in both Luke and Matthew, I began to realize that the Christmas spirit was on display for all who had eyes to see. And if you look closely, I believe that there's many things, but I'm going to highlight three things today that I believe makes up the true Christmas spirit. And as much as I love Torchier, come on, and as much as I love gifts, and as much as I love making Pastor Adam preach on every ugly sweater Sunday that we've ever had, did I mention I love the gifts? As much as I love all of that, when I come down to it, it really has very little to do with the actual Christmas spirit that I believe Jesus is trying to get to us. Let's start off in Matthew 2, verse 11. It says this, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and they worshipped him. Now, this is speaking about the wise men, and we know the story of the wise men, and if you don't, you can read it in the account of Matthew and, and uh, Luke, but here we have, uh, sorry, just in Matthew, but the wise men, after a long time searching, they, they left the comforts of where they were coming from when they finally found Jesus. At the age of 16, I can say something to, to you without any reservation, I finally found the real Jesus. When they found the real Jesus, the only act that they were able to do were to fall down and begin to worship the baby. Now, Pastor Adam last week went into this a little bit with some, some humor and some detail, so I won't try to repeat everything that he said, but the real Christmas spirit is recognizing how awesome God is and returning an offering of thanksgiving, praise, and worship. The first thing that is mentioned when they see Jesus, when they experience him as a baby, something came upon them to recognize that greatness was before them. See, in these times, you didn't bow down and worship just anybody or anything. Come on. There were gods in this time that many would bow down to and worship, albeit false gods, but also there were kings, and kings would have been expected to be greeted the way that baby Jesus was greeted. See, these wise men, some scholars would speculate that they might have been kings. And isn't it interesting that kings who had probably been worshipped in some way, shape, or form are now falling on their face before Jesus, the baby, recognizing that true greatness is before them. And all of a sudden, the way that they, 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 they begin to, to share what's happening with them, it's not by words, it's not by introducing themselves to baby Jesus, it's not even by saying congratulations to the mother or to the father, come on, it's not even about recognizing what else is going on, but they recognize and their first immediate action is to fall and to worship Jesus. You see, the wise men left the comfort of everything that they were comfortable with. It says they left from the east. Now, I'm not quite sure. I haven't really gone into great detail or study. Maybe some of you know exactly where they came from, but they came from the east. Could have been a couple days' journey. Could have been a couple years' journey. Whatever it was, this I know is that they left the comfort of what used to be in order to search the king of all kings. And sometimes, friends and family, we have to recognize that there are certain things that we need to leave in order to search for Jesus. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody today. i got to tell you that today there was a mission that those wise men were on. 
And the mission was to seek and to worship Jesus. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2 says it this way. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to what? We've come to what? You see, Christmas spirit, although I love the tinsel and all the other goodies, not so much about that, but really when you break it down, the real Christmas spirit is about you and I recognizing how awesome of a king we serve, what he's brought us from, where he's bringing us to, and as an act of thanksgiving, we bow down and worship him. Friends, more than gifts under the tree and more than the turkeys you'll eat, please understand that the real spirit of Christmas is one of thanksgiving, marked by a life of praise and worship. Here's the truth of the matter. When you recognize that the best gift that was ever given was not found under a tree, but nailed to one, you'll begin to shout out of praise. You'll begin to experience the real spirit of Christmas. Don't matter what you have, don't matter what you don't have. Doesn't matter if you're feeling convicted because you ain't got enough tinsel on your tree. What begins to matter and what you begin to recognize is the best gift that was ever given was the gift of salvation and it's free for you and I and we can open it at any time. My friend, you can open that gift right now, right here. All you got to say is, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that we'll receive the greatest gift that has ever been given in all of the history of giving, and that is that you will be saved. When you understand that every single one of us was on the naughty list, come on, and I'm not talking about Santa's list, that you and I could never make the cut and the standard that was set for us by God on our own power and in our own authority. And there was never enough good to outweigh the bad that was happening in our life. When you begin to understand that we were never able to do it in our own power and our own authority, with our own smarts and wisdom, with our own charisma, when you begin to understand that all of that is nothing in the sight of God, but that for once and for all, a sacrifice was given so that we could be forgiven given, you begin to understand how good it is. When you begin to understand that your sin was set to condemn you to a Christless hell, when you begin to understand what really, truly happened at the birth of Jesus and then subsequently the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, you'll be like the wise men and you'll begin to worship him despite what's been happening, despite what's going on. When you understand, my friends, that Christmas is a reminder of God's action plan, that he loved you. Everybody say me. Now everybody look at someone and say you. When you understand that God loved you, that he set a, 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 an action plan in place so that we could be saved once and for all, my friends, you will begin to shout it out from the rooftops. I wish that someone would give glory in this place. I wish that someone would just begin to praise him. I wish that some of you would just begin to understand how bad it really was and how good it is now. Come on. 
I wish that some of you would just give them a little shout, a little hallelujah. Say, God, thank you for saving my children. Come on. God, thank you for healing my body. Although I may not be all the way there now. Come on, Pascal. You're better than when you first came in to the glory of God. And he's going to see it through all the way to the end. When you begin to understand, my friends, the real power of the Christmas spirit is not in everything that we thought it was. Come on. But it's in everything that he did. Whew. My goodness, you're going to hit the floor and you're going to worship. And so Christmas, my friends, number one, is about understanding that the thing that we have been called to do is to worship and to praise him. Matthew, I did not even know that you were still there. Glory to God. You scared me. I thought I was like the shepherds in the field, and all of a sudden, those hosts of angels. Adam was talking about it last week. Glory to God. Shoo. Wow. Psalm 95, verse 6 says this. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, and let us kneel before the Lord our maker. See, the wise men, they didn't worship him from afar. You said this two, two weeks ago. You went on a little bit of a tangent, and you started saying, we don't worship from afar. We don't worship from afar. And I began to think about that and meditate. I said, Lord, sometimes I've been guilty of worshiping from afar. But as I take a look at the example in the Word of God, as I take a, an example of the wise men who left everything, they could have just said, Lord, we acknowledge you in their, the, the comforts of their home where they were. They could have just said, God, we praise you. God, we worship you and gone on with their life. But they understood that what was occurring was so much greater than anything that they had ever experienced before and therefore left and came near. And this Christmas season, my friends, the one thing that I wish for you and for yours is that you will leave what's behind and draw near to Jesus. And that this would be the best Christmas you have ever experienced on this earth. Hallelujah. See, I speak to someone today because I know because I've been there. Because some of you might need to leave some things behind and fall down like the wise men did. Some of you might to leave fear. Come on. I tell you something. If I could just be uh, a witness to the power of God. When people used to hand me the mic, I used to fear and tremble. Pastor Mike used to give me six months notice when I first started preaching to tell me that I was going to be speaking on a Sunday. And for six months, I would buckle under the weight of fear. What if they don't like what I say? What if they don't like me? What if they don't like what I'm wearing? What if I mess up? What if, what if, what if? But what if I preach a message and someone gets excited about the glory of God? What if I preach a message and people are drawn in like never before? What happens and as you see, sometimes you got to just leave the comforts of what you've known in order to experience something that you've never experienced with God before. Hallelujah. Some of you need to leave fear. Come on. You got to leave it. You got to leave it behind and you got to pick up the boldness and the courage that is promised to you as a believer in Jesus. You got to leave the fear behind, my friends. Some of you might to leave uh, anxiety and worry. Come on. What good does it do to worry? Biblically speaking, what good is worrying? Zero. So why do we do it? 
Why do we worry and why do we fret and why do we get anxious about things that we have no control over? Come on. Why do we allow it to just stir up all sorts of useless ideas in our head and in our heart that this is going to happen, that's not going to happen? We make up scenarios in our head before anything even happens. And can I say this? Sometimes you write out your future by the things you're thinking and the words of fear that you're speaking, and it was never intended to be that way. So maybe this Christmas season, maybe you got to just say, Lord, today's the day that I'm leaving fear, I'm leaving worry, I'm leaving anxiety, because I understand that the birth of Christ, a better way was made for me and my family. And I'm going to hold on to the promises of God that are yes and amen, and I'm going to just lay hold of every promise of strength and every promise of bravery and every promise of courageousness, and I am going to go for Jesus and nothing else. Maybe some of you got to leave a, a relationship. Maybe some of you here got to leave a friendship that does nothing but draw you away from the presence of God. Do you know when I first got saved, I, 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 you know, I had climbed the tower of the social standing in my high school. I was 16 years old. I'd finally got to a place that they called cool. But getting to the place of cool, I had left a path of destruction behind me. And I began to realize it wasn't worth it. And so when I got saved at the age of 16, I began to realize that some of my friends were not my friends indeed. Some of my friends were just using me for what I had. Some of my friends were just making sure that I was the scapegoat. Come on. Some of them were like, Brian did it. Yo, bro, I thought we were friends. No, Brian did it. He did it. I saw him. It was him. It was all him. Right? And I began to realize that when I got saved, that I wasn't going to be able to go about life the way that I used to go about life, but that things were going to have to change. And the first thing that changed in my life is I began to cut off every toxic relationship that was telling me things that were contrary to what I was learning when I was reading the Bible and showing up to church. And I prayed because I'm going to tell you for a season, it was lonely. It was a lonely season. But I just began to pray, Lord, just send a friend. Just send one. I began to read scriptures, how, how blessed we are if we have one friend. I began to just lay it out on the line. Lord, I want a friend. I want a friend. And I started getting specific. Lord, I want a friend who's cool. Come on. Not the kind of cool that the world determines cool, but I want one who you determine to be cool. One who's Holy Ghost filled. One who has my best interest at heart. One who will tell me straight up when I am wrong. In love. Come on. I want a friend with a car. Come on. I was getting specific. I was 16. My parents had a Dodge Care caravan it was hard to be cool in a dodge caravan come on i want a friend with a cool car and all of a sudden you know what shows up come on a mentor a friend someone with a cool car come on i just happened by the grace of god but see it would have never happened if i had not let go of what was behind Whew. wow wow christmas spirit my friends is about worshiping and praising and understanding how good he is. You know, in Luke's account of the birth of Jesus, we see the story of the shepherds 
being visited by an angel. We'll pick it up in Luke 2, verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I, behold, bring good news, uh, good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, listen to this, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. All of those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them by the shepherds. So number two, if you're taking notes, Christmas spirit isn't just about worshiping and praising, although that is important. But number two, it's also about sharing Jesus. It's about sharing the greatest thing that we have ever experienced in our life. Now listen, when you tell something to somebody in confidence, you say, please keep this confidential. This is just between me and you. Is the statement you want to hear the statement that was here in the scriptures that says they made it widely known, right? If you share somebody with something in secret, do you want them to go make that widely known? Come on, some of you experienced this. You shared something with somebody before, and then they just took it upon themselves to go tell another person, which told another three people, which, come on, it's happened to all of us probably at some point in some time. You know, I don't know. I'd rather them not make it known. When I share something in confidence with someone, I want to know that it's locked down in the vault, never to come out. Come on. That's the kind of person I want in my life. But you know what? The shepherds, I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if shepherds were like the gossipers of the time. I don't know what was happening. Like, tell a shepherd, tell the town. I don't know what was going on there. But for some reason, the angel chose shepherds which probably at the time would be considered the lowest of lows. Pastor Adam talked a little bit about this last week. I don't know why he chose them, but he chose them. I don't know if it was another case of maybe God using the foolish things of this earth to confound the wise, but for whatever reason, the angel chose the shepherds. And can I tell you something, friends? This makes me excited. Because if God would use shepherds to share Jesus with all of those around Come on, how much more is he going to choose you to share Jesus with those around you? And Scripture shows us that just one look at the baby Jesus, they knew in their hearts that what the angel told them was true when the Bible says they made it widely known, saying which was told them concerning the child. Now, I started thinking about this. They made it widely known that what was told them by the angel. What did the angel tell them? Well, in verse 10 and 11, it says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy. For all people there will be born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
So if you think about that, that is the message that they were sharing with everyone around, that the Savior that you have been waiting for has been born this day. And all of a sudden, you can recognize that the shepherds essentially were actually the first evangelists. They experienced the goodness of God. They experienced his lordship and his kingship. Even though he was still just a baby laying in a manger, something came upon them to begin to declare the good news, come on, of good joy that the Savior that they had all been waiting for, the one that they were waiting for with great anticipation, the one that every time someone would rise up, even politically speaking, their hopes would get up, and then all of a sudden they would recognize it's not he. And all of a sudden, the shepherds go from meeting with Jesus to making it widely known, the good news of great joy. My friends, this season, this beautiful Christmas season, you have a wonderful opportunity to make it widely known that Christmas is so much more than just the trees and the decorations and the tinsel and the torchairs. You have an opportunity begin to live a life before people that makes them understand that Christ is not Christmas without Christ. You can understand that the good news is that once and for all, God settled it. He put that plan in motion to save you and I, and they can experience the same thing. My friends, I am so glad that we have the opportunity to share the good news. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. I, I love it, and I'm so excited. People will come up to me all the time and say, Pastor Brian, salad, lettuce is on sale this week because of a message I preached nine months ago saying that salad was $9.99 a bag. Who wants to eat? I went off on a tangent, and people to this day let me know when salad it is on sale. That's you sharing good news with me. Some of you tell me, hey, Pastor Brian, chicken breast is on sale, $2.99 a pound. Like I'm going to jump in my car and rush off to buy all the chicken I can afford. Here's the thing that we do naturally. We naturally share good news. If something great happens to you, you have a hard time containing it. Come on. Some of you think about your life. Remember when you got a raise? Remember that? Remember when you got the job you were looking for? Remember when you got into the college or the university you were waiting for? Remember when you found that special person? Come on. You remember those days? You couldn't keep that to yourself. You were giggling like a little kid. <laughs> and I'm talking to all the men in the house. Come on. You found her. The one that your soul and your heart was longing for, and she's right there before you. Did you keep it to yourself? I bet not. I bet not. Because when good news happens to us, the first thing that we want to do is share it. But why, when it comes to Christ, do we want to hold it in? Why are we so ashamed? Why do we want to hold back so many opportunities? Listen, every day, this has been my prayer for you. Lord, give our people eyes to see and ears to hear what's really going on. Because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You talk to someone long enough, they're going to share something with you. They're going to share something with you that they're going through. They're going to share something that maybe they're facing that seems just impossible. You're going to find out that people have problems. People have troubles. People don't know what to do anymore. And you have the answer right there in your life. He's in your heart. And all you got to do is just listen with some compassion, listen with some empathy, and you say, you know what? I've been there before, brother or sister. I understand what you're going through. 
But let me tell you something. Until you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're going to continue to go through these cycles where you don't know who you are, you don't know why you're here, that everything seems that whatever you get your hands on never quite fills the void of something that's deeper on the inside. But I got to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. You make it widely known to them the best that you can. And let me tell you something. If you're like me who used to be a little bit afraid of talking to people about Jesus, here's the thing. Let me tell you. Just begin to open up your mouth. Just begin to say, you know, Jesus, and maybe you don't know what to say after that, but I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will rush in like a flood and begin to give you the utterance, give you the words that needs to be spoken. And you know what might even happen? The gifts of the Spirit might begin to flow through you. I can't tell you how many times I've been sharing the good news of Jesus, and he backs me up with a word of knowledge about that person's life. And all of a sudden, I'll just feel it in my spirit. I'll say, you know what? When you were, like, younger, did this and this and this happen to you? They look at you with big eyes. How do you know that? Are you a psychic? No, I'm a child of God. And God loves you so much, he's revealed it to me to let you know that he's understanding, that he knows what's been going on, and he's got a better plan for you. So today is the day of salvation. Don't put off today for tomorrow. Come on, don't put it off. Just choose Jesus. See, we can make him well-known during this holiday season. Number three, I got to finish up. Matthew, you didn't even start playing. I think I was just preaching like Pastor uh, or actually, like Felix said, you know, they work hard. I'm sweating over here. I could drink a gallon five more minutes. Thank you, Matthew, the official. Praise the Lord. Five minutes, and we're winding this up. Matthew, you can even begin to play. You know, Luke 2.20 says this. After they told everybody, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it were told them. So not only did they tell everybody what had been happening, but they were filled with joy. Because as we learned last week, and as we learn almost every week here, joy is a byproduct of being in God's presence. And even though those shepherds were only in God's presence for probably just moments, minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two, it was so impactful that they went out from there telling everybody who would listen, and probably known farmers, because I come from a family of farmers, which is maybe close to a shepherd, they're brazen. They don't care who's around. They're going to say what's on their mind, whether you want to hear it or not. And so maybe the shepherds at the top of the voice were just declaring, the Savior is here. The one we've been waiting for is near. But I love how it says that they returned. They went back to their calling. They went back to what it was that they were doing before, but they went back different. They went back glorifying and praising God for all the things that had been revealed to them. So Christmas spirit is about worship. It's about praise. It's about sharing Jesus. And lastly, we see it's about serving and it's about giving. Matthew 2.11 says this, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and I don't have time enough to go into what each of those means, but understand that these gifts were gifts fitting for a king. These gifts cost, were expensive. These gifts, you know, understand gold is not light, and they had traveled far and near. And many say that this really set up Jesus' ministry in his early life with his mom and his dad. But the wise men's first response to seeing Jesus was to fall down and worship him. But their second response was to give him gifts. 
At Capital City Church, one of our values is that it is a privilege to give. And it only becomes a privilege to give when you begin to understand what he's already done. See, their response was to give, to give Jesus by serving others. And this is what the Spirit of the Lord convicted with me several years ago. Brian, don't just be a consumer of the kingdom of God, but learn to be a contributor. Don't just sit and take, 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 but learn how to take, but then learn how to give. Learn how to receive the word. Learn how to take part in worship. But then take what's happening here, and this has always been my heart, that you would take the messages that are prayed or, or spoken, and that you would take the prayers that are prayed, and that you would take it into your homes, that you would take it into your workplaces. Young people, you would take it into your schools, and you would live it out on a daily basis. Acts 20, 35 says this, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus as he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And again, the idea of serving and giving is related and reiterated in Hebrews 13. And it says, but do not forget to do good and to share. Interesting. Do not forget to do good, that's serving, and to share, which is giving. You see, Paul was just reiterating what had been happening at the birth of Jesus. See, isn't it interesting to note that when Jesus was born, he was offered some of the greatest gifts available at that time in history. But at his death, he flips the script and then offers you and I the best gift that has ever been given, ever. And that gift is himself upon a cross, Dying the death of a criminal when he, in fact, had never sinned a day in his life. As a substitute for your and my sins, our shortcomings, our fears, our worries, our anxieties. The greatest gift that was ever given is offered to every person on this earth. It is not exclusive. It is for everyone. But the choice to receive it is our own. See, the choice is upon you whether you receive the gift. I don't know who would do this, but imagine Christmas morning. In most places, the tradition is you come down and there's gifts to be opened. Imagine if you just come down and you cross your arms and your legs and you go, nah. Hey, Brian, this gift is for you. Nah. Hey, Brian, this gift is for you. No. Nah, I'm good. Thanks. I don't see anyone really doing that. And if you're like me, I don't really ask for things that I want, but I normally ask for things that I need. I need socks. Every guy needs underwear. Right? I ask for the things that I need. Maybe there's something on my list that I have to, you know, take care of and say, you know, I don't really need much more than what I have. I've got a beautiful family. I have a house. I have a vehicle that works. I, I, I have food on the table. I don't really need anything else. Can you imagine just saying, nah, I'm okay. How weird would you look on Christmas when everybody else is tearing open their gifts and there's gifts all around you with your name on them and say, I'm good. Right? But sometimes that's what we do to the Lord. He presents us with the best gift that's ever been given. And we go, nah, not today. I got it. I'll do it on my own strength. I'll do it in my own way. I got it. I got it. Only to find out down the road that, you know what? 
most certainly none of us had it. That at some point, sometime, we are met with the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And the gift is presented. The Bible says this is the day of salvation. This is your day to make things right between you and your maker and your creator. For this I know that at one point, each and every one of us will breathe our last breath. And as a pastor and even as just a believer of Jesus, I don't want anyone going to hell. I don't want anyone ever entering into eternity without the certainty that they are going to heaven to be with Jesus forever. And so what do you need to do? Very easy, my friends. The Bible says if you just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. You see, it's just unwrapping the gift this morning. The way that we do that is by faith, receiving the gift of salvation that was provided upon the cross of Calvary, but was initiated with the birth of Jesus, being wrapped in flesh, living a life sinless, dying upon the cross for you and for me. And isn't it interesting that the king of all kings, who could have lorded it over everyone, chose not to. He could have just made us all just bow down without having a say in it. But he gave us free will. And it's interesting to note that even though he could have, he didn't. And while he was on this earth, he left an example for you and I to live a life of servitude, live a life of thankfulness, live a life of praise. To the very end, God leaves us with the perfect life to model. My friends, I challenge you. This Christmas season, look for the opportunities to worship. Things may not be the way that you'd like them to be, but come on, let's give glory to God. They're not set to remain that way. Because I'm believing for better days ahead. Let's look for opportunities to share Jesus with others. Because if you experience the grace and the beauty of God's salvation, you don't want to hold that to yourself. Come on. You should be just shouting from the rooftops how good and how awesome Jesus has been to you. And lastly, look for opportunities to serve and to give. Upon this holiday season, you'll encounter many people in many different circumstances and situations by a friendly hello, by a nice compliment, by holding the door open. I was holding the door open at the mall the other day. I was there for almost 10 minutes. Finally, I passed the duty over to a younger guy. I said, hey, it's your turn. I've been here long enough. But you know, every person that came by with their arms filled with bags, looking like they were just going wild and crazy, everyone just looked at me and said, thank you. Thank you. And I, you know, Merry Christmas. And look at you. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Because Christmas without Christ is no Christmas at all. You can make it as beautiful as you want. But if you ain't got Christ this Christmas, it's just a bunch of nice decorations. So today, I ask you, do you know that you know that you know that if you were to step out of this earth into eternity, that you would make it to heaven? I ask you this day, have you placed your trust in Jesus wholeheartedly, fully, completely? Maybe you have at one time, but you know you're not as close as you could be. Maybe you've been worshiping from afar off. Maybe you've been experiencing from afar off. Draw near today. Draw near. Realize your foolishness just like the prodigal son did and returned home. And I guarantee you, arms wide open for you. This day, let us say a prayer together. There'll be a prayer above my head here on the screen. 
And this is just a prayer that we say together. And it's really just the beginning stages of asking Jesus to come into our lives to be our Lord and Savior. So let's say this together today. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my salvation. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I repent and I'm purposing to change the way I think and live. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, help me to learn about you and to grow in this kingdom lifestyle. I declare that you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Lord, may my friends, my family, my brothers and my sisters, Lord, amongst all of the good things that come with Christmas, this Christmas season, Lord, may we just be one to stop and take pause and to worship and praise you, to share Jesus with others, and Lord, to look for opportunities to give and to serve. And the beautiful thing about this, Lord, is that this is not reserved for just the Christmas season. This is the way that you've called us to live our life each and every day that you bless us with. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.